Hi everyone and welcome to episode 18 of Running Partners. I'm Alison. And I'm Paul. So today's episode is going to be mainly an interview with um, Paul's running coach who is John Starrett. Also known as... Stazza. Stazza, that's right. And so yeah. I, I interviewed him while I was out in, in Kenya and also a couple of other people on the running course you'll hear from as well. Yeah, so that's going to be coming up shortly. Yeah. So before that, um, just got a few shout outs to say, haven't we? And, uh, and to discuss what we've been doing this week with our own running. So yeah. um, shall I go first? Yeah, you go for it. Yeah, so uh, Rachel, um, as a response to our episode on the kit um, for running that we did a few weeks ago. She sent a message just to give a recommendation for sweaty Betty leggings and shorts, which have pockets in them. And she says that they don't move, you can't feel them, and they don't chafe either. So that, if you're looking for something... Mm, ticks all the boxes. Yeah, got, um, got a pocket in there. They've been recommended by Rachel, so thanks to Rachel. She also recommends Body Glide, which is like an alternative to Vaseline and she was saying that it's sort of Vaseline can kind of leave marks on your clothes and things whereas Body Glide is designed specifically for runners and I think it kind of comes in a um a sort of a thing that looks like a kind of deodorant if you know what I mean a roll-on I don't think it's a roll-on I think it's more of like a you know, one of those ones that you'd sort of roll up. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I've not heard of that. It's a new one to me. Yeah, so... I'll have to try that. Yeah, so if you need to, you know... Glide your body? Yeah. Get body Get glide. That. Yeah. Awesome. Also, just wanted to say um, hello to Liz, who's been listening to our podcast while Hi, she's Liz. running. Hello. So, yeah, shout out to Liz. So, thank Keep you going. for getting Good in running. touch and letting us know that you're enjoying it. Have you got anything to say this week? Yeah, so I just had a couple of things to mention this week. So one was a topic suggestion from Jeff. Um, uh, so Jeff was in with me in Kenya. I think I mentioned him on last week's episode. So he wondered about uh, talking about training specifically for people over the age of 50 and things like, you know, different recovery times um, and things like that. And also I know that there's some differences between men and women, isn't there, as you get older in terms of, like, uh, women need to focus on bone strength and things, things like yeah. that. I think that's right, yeah. isn't it? So I think we would like to do an episode on that. I think we'll probably do a bit more, bit of a research into it. We know a little bit, don't mm-hmm. we? But um, So I think we will pick that up. Thank you, Jeff, in a future episode. Um, and then I had another interaction with Duncan on Strava. So Duncan asked me a question which says... Uh, looking back at your last marathon prep, so he's asking me, now you've done the coaching course, what do you think you should have done differently to get a better outcome? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really interesting question, actually, and it's something I kind of not thought about until Duncan posed the question. So I think there's probably two or three key things that spending time on the course, spending time with other runners in Kenya who'd, who've done similar sort of times to me and quicker that I, I have learned and that I would do differently um, so the first thing is around fueling. So, um, and I'm talking about in race fueling. Mm-hmm. So I've I've always done that, but I think what I've not done is practice. And I think what I've really thought about and talking to others about is practice in some of the longer runs in the last sort of seven eight weeks of the marathon training. 
testing out different um, gels, fueling sources, whether you want to take a drink. Some people carry carry drinks on marathons, mm-hmm. so they might do the first 10K with a 500ml carb drink and, and take that so yeah. that you don't need a gel to begin with, you mm-hmm. can have the drink. So these sort of things I think I'm going to try, deliberately try, because in my, my last marathon block, I didn't really try anything. I might have had the odd gel, and then suddenly you get to the race and you've got five gels, you've got to be taking mm-hmm. one on the run every 30 minutes. Um, and also I remember a couple of times when I did take a gel in training I just stopped and had the gel well of course like you're never going to do that in a race are you well some people do stop don't they and take the gels but you don't do well you? not They're I guess not... if you kind of targeting a time or whatever you probably want to keep that rhythm going yeah, um, yeah. so I think practice around fueling is a key learning point for me it's not just about fueling on the race day it's about getting it right in training um, I think the other thing I learned was really understanding the purpose of easy runs so it's not about counting miles up for the week it's about running at a pace that is enabling you to recover and you're not working and doing it to a length of time around an hour 65 minutes maximum was what I learned on the course that once you go beyond that you're starting to work different energy systems and you're starting to fatigue your body not recover so both the length of easy runs and the pace um that that is a big learning point for me um i think if people listen to the podcast last week the the other people mark nick and natasha all talked about um easy runs and running slow and particularly in kenya you've got people who can run a marathon in you know 210 215 and they're doing their easy runs eight nine minute mile pace no problem so that's that is a big learning point for me and the importance of those easy runs in the marathon block and i think the final thing i probably learn from talking to others is don't overthink your goals so train you train and if you stick to the process you'll get in the right shape and with a bit of luck on the day you'll probably deliver your goals and don't worry about the the three hour things probably as more of a mental barrier than a physical one mm-hmm. and everyone's got their own goals you know they were you know you're not pressure is what you put on yourself other people aren't putting you under any pressure it's what you want to achieve you know no one's watching you from afar mm-hmm. and assessing you so i think for me it's trying to relax enjoy the running enjoy the training and remember that if i get the training right i'll give myself a really good chance of having a good race on the day and achieving what i want to yeah great because no one's really bothered <laughs> no. really are they like, no you the, know, people are supportive probably, and, yeah, and and want to a bit harsh but yeah. they're worried about their own yeah they're not sometimes, you know so. they're pleased to see you enjoying yourself and doing mm. the races you you want but yeah people aren't judging you on your times at all and I've learned that from spending time with a real kind of range of people of um, Mm -hmm. different times different abilities but there's no egos attached to it it's people Mm -hmm. just trying to achieve what they want for the best that they can do so so thank you Duncan for that question it kind of was really helpful to me actually in thinking about what kind of matters as I start my next 12 weeks yeah brilliant Okay, so um, you mentioned you'd done a race on last week's yeah. episode, but it was pretty hot off the press. You, yeah. were, you were recording it just a couple of hours after finishing the race. So I think you wanted to give a bit more of a detailed sort of race review and what worked and what you learnt from it from the Tissington half marathon last week. Yeah, so I think I've never really done a, a half marathon race as part of marathon training. So I thought it might be sort of quite sort of interesting to think about kind of what went right and what went wrong and how it can be used as part of marathon training so I think so initially like obviously it was three minutes slower than 
what my half marathon PB is. So obviously I think everyone's always trying to run the fastest, aren't they? So it's never like nice to kind of do slower than than you have done before. But I did know that that was going to happen because obviously I'm only four weeks into marathon training and I've never actually done them. I think I've only ever either trained directly for a half marathon or I've done it after a marathon so when I'm kind of at peak fitness so that was always going to be the case but um there's a few like positives I think to take from the race um so I was able to kind of practice like what I ate and drank before the race so I think that was quite useful and I think that it worked so it was essentially what I've said before about what I do so because the the race was in Ashbourne and that is an hour or so drive away from us I had to get up quite early and obviously you don't want to be there late and stuff so I was up like three hours before the race was due to set off so I was able to eat some porridge have a coffee and have a pint of yeah. squash before about two and a half I hours before the, something else <laughs> well, the start um yeah I don't know that you know that's carbs in it yeah so, it could be yeah. yeah yeah um yeah I wouldn't normally drink squash but I think because you've been away and stuff I'd like not really thought about any of this stuff the prep for it much because you'd come back the day before and I'd been quite busy um I'd not really thought about what I normally have right and I think that what I should have done is found the um those tablets the salt yeah, tablets yeah. I can't remember what you the call zero, them Zero um, tablets, yeah, is it? yeah, yeah, the kind of like the yeah. hydration yeah, sort of the tablet. electrolytes, and electrolytes. Yeah, that's, that's the word one. I was yeah. grappling for. Yeah, so if I would have put that into the pint of water instead of yeah. squash, but I had squash, so okay. but it was fine. It's only a half marathon, I'll be all right. <laughs> um, so that worked out okay, that felt fine. Um, I did take a gel with me and I had that half an hour before the start of the race, yeah. So when I got there, um, and that seemed fine, I don't you know, need anything during the race. Um, so, yeah, so like, I've obviously I've got 12 weeks left in my training plan. Yeah. So I think that it's kind of build up from this. Yeah, um, you don't want to be peaking now, do you? No. The purpose of the training is to peak at the end of the 12 weeks. So, yeah. You know, like you say, you're not trained for a half marathon. It's mm-hmm. a half marathon as part of your training. Yeah, so obviously I've got a half, another half marathon in Retford in March. So that'll you know, be we'll a good see. indicator. You should have imp- expect have to improve. Yeah, then, yeah. Um, I think so. There was other things to consider. So it was a, it was trail a trail yeah. race. So, so not quite as fast usually. You not know. usually, but it was pretty hard hard packed. Yeah. Um, but what I did do, um, I didn't. Well, the advice was to wear trail shoes. Yeah. I didn't do that, but I just wore like my easy run shoes. So, but when I got there, quite a lot of people were wearing like you know super alpha shoes. flies, super cheat shoes, yeah, 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 and all that. But not you. So I could have worn them. Yeah. So that might be like marginal gains, you know, for the marathon. Um, there yeah, was a two, few other two percent, two to three percent. Yeah, yeah. There were other people like on the trails, so it wasn't like closed off to anyone else. So you had so, to avoid the bike riders, yeah, the dog walkers. Yeah, so yeah. We're running around Weaving. a little bit. I mean, they were all kind of, you know, they, yeah, they were like keeping to one side or the other, so it wasn't too bad. Um, and obviously, I went into this without tapering. Yeah. I think on my marathon program, program, I was like two miles less than the plan said overall at the end of the week and I'd run six days so 
So you'd done probably like 30 miles in the five days yeah. preceding the race, yeah. six days preceding the race. Then you did the race yeah, um, didn't, days, with yeah. a bit of a yeah. warm up and a cool dance and almost getting up towards 50 miles for the week. So yeah, yeah. that's a good yeah. week of training. So, so that's kind of a bit of a kind of, you know, overview of kind of how it sort of, I think it fits into my training for the, for the marathon. Um, I don't think I did very well with the recovery though, because I had to drive straight back from the half. Um, I'd only had, well, I'd had a couple of cups of water and then I got a drink in the car that I drank, but, um, you didn't have anything to eat, did I didn't, you? It's probably a bit No, I didn't have anything to eat. And then when we got back, we had to go straight out, didn't we? Yeah. Because there was one... Kids stuff on. One doing football, one, one doing, doing cricket, cricket. And then we're out until six-ish, weren't we? So yeah. I did go to the shop and buy a protein yoghurt and ate that <laughs> without a spoon. I won't go into any more details than that. but um, And some nuts. So, yeah... Um, but that's maybe something to think about next time. Yeah. Being a bit more prepared after. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I guess if you're doing a race where you're driving somewhere, it's probably sensible to take some food, isn't it? That yeah. you can eat immediately after yeah. or on the way back. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the overview of the race. Excellent. Um, and I guess it's all part of the training. Mm-hmm. And then another, it doesn't stop. So what's um, what's been your training this week? So you're into yeah. your... So into week, week five yeah, how's of it gone? the London Marathon training. So obviously I was feeling a bit delicate on Monday after the race. So I did five miles easy, got that out of the way. Yeah. Um, and then Tuesday, obviously I normally go to track, but I would try to be sensible and not do that. And I think it was a bit slippery this week, a bit icy on the track. So Also, m- the other thing is, isn't it? It would have, it would have because you did the race on the Sunday... It was only two days after yeah. doing the race, so it probably made sense to try and mm-hmm. leave a bit more time. Normally, you'd do your long run on a Friday, wouldn't you, and your yeah. intervals on a Tuesday, so you've got mm-hmm. that three days between, but clearly you didn't have that with doing the race. Yeah, so I thought that I better you leave, know, a bit leave, more time. leave it an, another day, so I wasn't feeling like it would have been very productive to, yeah. to do it on that day. So I did that on Wednesday, and I did 15 times 400 metres, which kind of... It gets a bit boring, but I was quite glad to, that it was only short distances after doing the race. So that was okay. Managed to do that. Um, and my paces are. I had a look and we had a bit of a chat about this this week that my interval paces tend to be just below seven minute mile pace. So like between like six forty and six fifty for every distance. <laughs> So I was no quicker on the 400 metres than I was on the 1,000 metres. Mm, interesting. So, but when I'm doing it, I'm having about sort of up and down, so I, I don't know, but yeah. So I did that, and then um, I was supposed to do 10 miles easy. Um, I'm getting my days mixed up now. I'd, on Tuesday, that was kind of the only day I could do it, but because I was still, you know, kind of recovering. Yeah. I only did seven miles easy on Tuesday, so I dropped three miles there. And then um, Thursday, I had a rest day, and then today I've been and done my 18 miles long run, which was quite hard going, but I've got it done. And um, I count 18 miles as, like, a long run for a marathon. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, like, anything less than that, it's sort of... You could be training for something else, but you wouldn't do 18 miles if you weren't 
doing a marathon yeah. would you it's yeah, like yeah so that's my kind of first long long run for the marathon so yeah that's me and I'll, and then I've still got a couple more runs easy to runs. do but they'll be easy-ish yeah great stuff what about you yeah, so I'm kind of the first week of marathon training for me, so I'm a little mm. bit behind you, partly because I was in Kenya and partly because my marathon's a bit after yours, so mine's the 28th of April. Um, so what's that? Only one week. Is it one week after? Yeah. So, um, so you're kind of four weeks, you're doing a 12-week Yeah, 12-week plan. plan, exactly, yeah. yeah. So so first week, so this week uh, with Friday so far, I've, so I've run every day this week. So I've done four easy runs, typically around an hour, and they've ranged between seven and eight miles. Um, so, so they're they're just running an easy pace, like I described before. Um, trying to conserve energy for the workouts. So then Tuesday, I did an interval session, which was what's called a cut down session. So with the time reducing on each interval, so it was ten minutes, eight minutes, six minutes, four minutes, two minutes. So a total of thirty minutes worth of intervals, um, with two minute recovery between each each one. So there was. Um, five lots so two minute recovery between each i was aiming for around about six minute mile pace for all of them which i I just did that was just under six minute mile pace and i did the longer ones slightly slower and the shorter ones slightly quicker uh, as you'd expect well you may not given Mm -hmm. your even pacing but for me the two and the four minutes i was able to do more around 545 pace what and the eight minutes was a bit slow a bit around about 610 pace so it kind of all all evened out I think for me, that's kind of the pace I need to be at for those intervals if I'm going to then be able to run comfortably at marathon pace, mm-hmm. which is around six minutes, 40 per mile is that what I'm aiming for. So that's that. And then one more run this week, which will be tomorrow morning for me on Saturday, uh, a long run, two mile warm up, 12 miles at marathon pace plus 20 seconds. So that'll be around about seven minute mile pace for me and a two minute, two mile cool down. So 16 mile run all in all. So and then I'll be into it. midweek session long run midweek session long run uh, building up to the marathon so obviously I'll report back how it all goes cool okay so we'll get into the main topic for today so you'll hear an interview between myself and John in a minute talking about um, his coaching the coaching course his background, the marathon and a few other things. And then at the end of that, you'll hear some reflections from Ashling and Raf, who are both on the course as well. OK, so I'm here with um, Stazza, also known as John Starrett, his real name, um, who's my running coach I've talked about on previous episodes. And as you know, I've been in Kenya for nearly two weeks now doing the coaching course and it's been fantastic. We've just finished that today. So I've learned learned a lot that will hopefully help me as I go into my career as a, a running coach. And, and obviously, it's been really great to spend time here um, and being out for a few runs and, and kind of learn from the Kenyan experience. So really brilliant two weeks. So thank you. Thank you, John, uh, for that. Um, so, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that, but also we really want to get into the marathon today and the sub three marathon because it's an area that lots of people want to focus on who are kind of into running it's an area that i've yet to crack but hopefully i'm getting there with with john's help probably before that it's useful for you john to say a little bit about your background and experience and you know how how you've got to where you are and why we're kind of you know in a training camp in kenya yeah thanks for having me on the podcast paul um it's been a great couple of weeks that we've had over here in kenya like you said there and how I suppose I started coaching unofficially maybe 40 years ago when I was about uh, 19, 20, around that time there. And I used to run myself 
and but I found that I got more enjoyment out of helping other people and coaching people. You weren't any good at running. Uh, I was all right. I'm not great or anything, so I was probably a, de- a reasonable club runner, I'd say. So broke 15 for 5K, so and 68 for half. But that's back in those days. That was uh, you would be called a fun runner for those times back in, back in those what days. What does that uh, make <laughs> me now then? <laughs> that's back in those days. Yeah. Actually, when the okay. sounds a lot higher. Well, I, I, there's more depth into to the running, really. Yeah. But yeah. So I've been involved in the coaching for a long time. I've worked at the University of Oxford as a strength and conditioning coach and physio. And doing nutrition and things like that there as well. With Fitness First, the um, health club chain, as a regional business manager. And I worked for Premier Training, did teaching people to become sports therapists and uh, and personal trainers. And um, I suppose also other things that I've done as well. I've worked in, as a journalist and on been an editor of National Tabloid out in Botswana. But the, those things sort of kind of help with the coaching as well, you know, the communication skills as well. Um, so yeah, that's I suppose that's it in a nutshell. From a coaching point of view, mm. how many people I coach and stuff like that. I do coach a lot of people. I coach about two hundred and fifty people all over the world, and I find that I can do it quite comfortably as well because I've got all the processes in place, and uh, it's very successful. I'd say ninety five percent of the people that I coach are improving all of the time. Uh, I've coached I coach complete beginners through Olympians and world champions, and uh, so. Kind of Where did it all start for you then? So obviously you you like running. No, you well you did running. I don't know if you actually enjoyed the running, but you were a decent runner. How did you transition from that into then becoming a helping other people? Yeah, I I was um, I suppose all my life I've been coaching people, no matter what I've been doing. Yeah. Because you know, when people know about that, my running background, um, but I didn't do it as a business or charge people or anything like that. It was only in twenty seventeen. I joined Strava and my friend sort of twisted my arm because I was quite happy just running around on my Timex watch. And uh, he twisted my arm to get onto Strava. And then I'd previously been on a running blog called a Fast Running Blog and it's based in Utah in America. And I saw one of the guys on there and I started commenting on his runs, but he didn't know my real name because my name on there was Bam as opposed to John Starrett. And then another guy picked up on the fact that I used the word malarkey, and he says, "Is that you, Bam?" So he, this guy was a, he's a professor of linguistics at one of the top universities in the states, and then I was exposed. So we then decided to set up the, the run the running group as a stable on Strava, just for a platform to discuss about training. But what happened in the end was that I ended up coaching fifty people for free, and spending all day Saturday and Sunday designing training programs for people, and they were all insisting on paying me, and I didn't want people to pay me. Um, so, but in the end, they twisted my arm, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do more than just design the training programs. Yeah. So now that I was going to be charging people, I sat down and had a little think about it, and designed the whole form of processes with a profile questionnaire, ancillary assessments, weekly feedbacks, and just about how I was going to run it as a business in terms of like dealing, managing the clients, yeah. and through Strava, and that's worked really well, sir. And it's just kind of taken off from there, really. And. And at some of that process and you've been teaching us during the last uh, 10 days and also obviously all the detail of how you, you know, what you've learned from all your experience of coaching that wide range of people from, like you say, from beginners through to elite athletes at world championships and, and marathons and, and giving us the kind of skills and tools to be able to develop our coaching skills as we get into it, um, which has been which has been brilliant. So. You know, I came to you, I guess, so we'll, we'll get it. I think it's probably worth getting a little bit into the detail of the, the marathon. So thanks for sharing your kind of background. That's really helpful. So so I'd heard you on another podcast, um, The Runner's Life, Marcus Brown, which I think is still going. And, and you talked about the marathon and I kind of liked your approach to training and how it worked. And I was someone who was probably stuck a little bit 
you know, a sort of semi-serious runner running a bit, not that structured. Times had all plateaued and I kind of heard you talking on that. And, I, you know, I was focused on breaking sub three as, as my next goal and sort of came to you. And, and obviously that was about two years ago that you became my coach and we've worked together ever since. And all all my, it's worked for me, all my times have, have really improved. Hopefully I can crack the sub three this year, but I've improved at, every, well, I've improved at marathon, but not, not to sub three, but all my other distances have improved. So, you know, do you, are you, is that a lot of people come to you and say the same sort of thing I said, I suppose, two years ago, is that a common thing? And, you know, what, and what are the, some of the kind of uh, lessons you've learned, particularly around that marathon uh, training and in particular sub three? Yeah, I think the sub three is the big goal for most people. Uh, I'd say maybe 60, 70% of the people that I coach, that's what they're after. Um, I've taken, I think now, over 600 people to sub three in the last 10 years or so. So it's been it's been quite fulfilling in that way because I kind of have a, a philosophy that I use which is a little bit different to other coaches and that philosophy stems from the amount of time I spend out in Kenya and how we train athletes over here. So yeah, I... For me, whenever somebody comes to me, the first thing I do is I look at their half marathon time. And I think to myself, within 10 months, the half marathon pace becomes the marathon. So if, for example, if somebody's run a 130 half, I know that within 10 months I can get them to sub three. And that's you know, just through the processes and the, the way that I do the training. And what do you, so, um, and what's the kind of fundamentals of that then? What's mm. the core pillars that you think, that, well, in your experience, you know from all the kind of 600 people you took through that process that will convert? Because a lot of people listening to this will probably think, oh, God, you know, I thought a marathon time was you take your half marathon, double it, add 10 minutes and all that. So this is a bit different to that. And you've got the confidence from your experience of doing that. What are the key things then during that 10-month period? Is it... You know, people are fixated on that six, 12 or 16 week marathon training. So, you know, they might sort of go, right, okay, so my marathon's a year away. I don't need to worry about it for six months. I'll just wait till I get close to the marathon. I'll start my training plan. What do yeah. you think to that? And is that, a, you know, do people come to you and go, John, I've got a marathon in three months. Train me up. I want to do a sub three. Yes, I get that, I get that quite a lot, actually. In, in fairness, I used to coach that way many years ago, but I've changed. So through like the COVID era, I designed like a, a philosophy which is but that I now use and which you've just learned yeah. on the course. And and I'm, I've got a book coming out as well, which I've written about it all as well. And the idea really is is you've got to get the person as fast as possible over the half. And we spend, you know, I'd say maybe about eight months of the year working on that. And then that gives us, uh, you know, a month for recovery after the marathon and three months to 12 weeks to, to feed into into the marathon training. But one of the things that I do, if we work, say, 12 weeks out from the marathon, I would get the guy, everybody that I coach, they, they run a half marathon. And from that half marathon, it tells me what the marathon pace is going to be. We have systems to work that all out, as you know, which you've just yeah. learned about as well. And then from there, you know, we, we move on. So, for example, we might start off, you do run the half marathon, say somebody runs uh, 125 for the half. So we know immediately that they're going to be looking to run somewhere around 250 or 248. That should be what they should be looking at. So what's, yeah, 250, 248 off of a 125. So we work out the pace off that. And then where I might start them with on their long run would be uh, the week after the half marathon, no no workout in the midweek, just recovery. And then the week end, I give them quite an easy kind of marathon type run, which would be two miles warm up, 12 miles, 
at 20 seconds slower than marathon pace and a two mile cool down. And that's the kind of starting point from there. And that would be what I would call a structural run because it's slower than marathon pace. And over the next few weeks, we progress that. So we get up to the stage where we're running two miles easy, 18 miles at marathon pace, two mile cool down. And then from there, we move into marathon pace. So we might peel back a little bit and do a two mile warm up, 16 miles at marathon pace, two mile cool down. And then the following week, two mile warm up. 18 miles at marathon pace and a two mile cool down. That's four weeks before the marathon. And then we cut the, the long run down into the marathon. So we go two up, two up, 16 at marathon pace, two down, two up, 14 at marathon pace, two down. And then the weekend before the race, two up, eight at marathon pace and two down. So that would be kind of how the, the long runs would yeah. be structured. But then the other part of it then is what you do in the midweek and the, the other things around it as yeah. well. Yeah, so, you're, so you, and your approach is the two runs two workouts in conjunction and all the other runs about rest and recovery and easy running to enable your body to recover and be to give your maximum efforts in the workouts that give you the best chance to improve i think some of the marathon plans particularly some that you can just find on the internet they're often three sessions a week so they might be like intervals tempo long run maybe hills as well and what do you think about that and the kind of benefits of that versus your approach or not or the risks i suppose of overdoing it with the sessions yeah again that's something we just covered on the course yeah as well. yeah so, yeah um yeah so so i have a, an axiom which is appropriate stress recovery adaptation yeah. and the overload principle says that, that what you do today is affected in 10 days so off the back of that i work off two sessions a week like you alluded to there so in the midweek, if you're in marathon-specific training, we'd be we'd be starting off with some sort of like kind of threshold session, something like eight times five minutes off a of one-minute recovery. The five minutes being done at ten-mile race pace or effort, and then from there we start to extend. And I created a, a system called temporal flow, which is about fatigue resistance. So everything extends out the way that the marathon pace run did. So so would the sessions as well. And it was, in fairness, I've got to give it the credit because it's kind of designed and based around. Renato Canova's system, although I've modified it a lot to because I find that people people get injured on the Canova system, even the elite guys. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of where we would go with it, you know, with the the, 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 the reps extending out. I also do eight second hill blasts, uh, which most people wouldn't go anywhere near. But I think it's with the most important session, one of the most important sessions for a marathon runner because it improves running economy and efficiency. It gives more power in the stride. So and it helps re- re- recruit fast twitch fibers, and it's a good idea to do these sometimes even with more elite runners after a long run as well. So it simulates the, the you know the feeling towards when at the twenty mile mark, twenty two mile mark, where you're going to pick up and kick on. So that would be the the, the the crux of it really. But to to facilitate that or to get the athlete to be able to do that, it's important that what you do before the marathon block. Yeah. So if somebody comes to me with three months before a marathon. I would say to them, there's not an awful lot I can do because you're at this fitness now and it's just going to be about extending out from where you are. Um, you're not going to start taking minutes and minutes off your time in the space of no. three months. So, that, so what leading time should you be thinking about then? So if someone wants to do the sub three mm. or give their best marathon time, and where are we now? So we're, we're it's, it's January now. So And someone new coming to you and they're saying, I'm doing uh, an April marathon and then I'm going to do one in October. What would you say to them? Well, I try to do it. I try to talk them out of the April one first of all, and if they, if they didn't have if they want to do the April one, then we'd work out a way of blending that in yeah. as well. But it wouldn't be that wouldn't be no. the target for the best time. You'd no. be saying look no. forward. No, we would, the target would be the one in say October, like yeah. nine or ten months away. So what I would do is I'd put them on the super base, which is a four month sort of um, conditioning, sort of I suppose for getting the athlete ready to 
be able to do the what I would then call marathon bridge training yeah. that then fo- flows through in, into the, the marathon specific training. So what, really what we're doing there, to put that in a nutshell, is getting them faster over the half marathon. You know, yeah. To me, that, that's what it's all about. You get them faster over the half marathon and just lay the, the foundations really then for the, the marathon training that follows. So I tried to talk about the April one. If they didn't, I could still put them on the super base on the midweek sessions, I would give them on that. But then on the weekend, I would take the endurance spine runs, which most people will know is that the 30 minutes easy, 40 minutes at 10 seconds slower than the half marathon pace or effort, and 30 minutes easy, and you extend that out. And at some point, I would then transition them from those endurance spine runs into the more marathon-specific runs in time for April. But what would happen there is after April and they've recovered, they would have that structural strength from doing the marathon build-up, and also they would a good bit quicker through the super base midweek sessions and you could then I suppose carry on with the super base and then transition across into the marathon bridge and the marathon specific work as well from there yeah and um, just going back to something you said a few minutes ago when you were talking about the marathon block you were talking about do a half marathon 12 weeks out a lot of people do a half marathon a lot closer don't they so maybe four or five weeks out but the, you I guess that it, then the pace you do is not probably going to be an indicator of marathon pace if you're doing it that close to the race. Well, that's a, that's a really good question. A, a lot of people in the UK do this as yeah, well. Yeah, it's common. Uh, yeah. yeah, but you, you find with a lot of Kenyans, they don't do that. Right. And so, I mean, when was the last time Kipchoge ran a half marathon? <laughs> so if you think yeah. about it that way. And the reason for that is, is the half marathon and the marathon are completely different events. And whilst the half marathon is a good indicator as you go into marathon training of what you're going to run and a good predictor as well, um, it's... A different event so the whole point of your 12-week marathon block is to, to is to learn to burn glycogen efficiently at marathon pace so if you start doing 5ks and half marathons things you're kind of getting you you you're veering away from where the, the specificity is and that's what it's all about yeah. so you know it's okay to do some half marathon pace sessions in the marathon block training but then as long as you're doing stuff that's a little bit slower than marathon pace and marathon pace as well but to go and race a half marathon six weeks out you're not going to be in you, sh- you shouldn't be in good marathon pace a half marathon pace or if, uh, pb sort of uh, in that area there four to six weeks out because if you are it's a bad indicator because it means you're in half marathon shape and not marathon shape right and that's okay. from my from my experience i used to do that as well i get people to do half marathon six weeks out and four weeks out and if they ran really well, I'd be expecting them to then do a really good like marathon. But that invariably, they would underperform in the marathon. And I realised what it was then about, you know, so I pulled that out, put it at the beginning of the block, and it works much, much easier. Yeah. And then, I guess, a couple of other things we've talked a little bit about on the course. Um, one is fueling and the importance of that. So kind of anything up to half marathon distance. It, it, I'm talking about race race fueling rather than mm. nutrition around that, but it's sort of, you know, it's not a big factor, is it? So you can go what's around 90 minutes, something like that, based yeah. on just the energy you would have from your breakfast that day and um, a drink that you might have before. But it, but when you start getting into those longer runs, both in training and the race, you've really again got to think about the gels or drinks that are going to kind of fuel you through it. Otherwise, what will happen? Your kind of performance will will tail off with it. That's absolutely 100% there. So the the general sort of kind of rule of thumb is up to 90 minutes, you know, in terms of like the glycogen stores that you've got, but you actually have got a bit more than that as well. And it depends what pace you're running. So if somebody's going to be slower than 90 minutes for a half marathon, I would say that they should should take a gel um, just to top up their glycogen stores or to make sure they don't like, uh, burn them all out there's also some the recent some recent sites i was reading recently saying that even now and this is kind of contradicting myself a little bit but even now that it's not a bad idea to say like take a caffeinated gel 
an hour before you're going to finish. So if you're going to run a, a half marathon in 90 minutes, it's a good idea maybe at the half an hour mark to take a caffeinated gel because the caffeine takes 40 minutes to, to 60 minutes to kick in. Oh, right. And then that will help them, you know, towards the end when fatigue's there. Also, there will be a little bit of fatigue as well that the the carbohydrates from the gel can come in and help as well, you know, as you get to the back end of the race. So you don't necessarily need to take a, a gel in a half marathon. But I would say if you're in that kind of 120 and slower, it wouldn't be a bad idea. But if you're, if you're quicker than 120, I'd say you don't need to take anything. Okay. Um, and then what about kind of shoes? Do you have much opinion on shoes? Yes, <laughs> uh, it, it, another good one as well. In fact, I stopped running just as the first pair of uh, next, was it the 4%? The first pair yeah. of the, cheat, the cheetah shoes, yeah, the cheat shoes yeah. came out. And I bought a pair of the Zoom Flies and I bought a pair of the 4%, but I stopped running, so I never got a chance to run in them. Um, Where are they now? Uh, I, actually, I, I, gave, I gave the the 4% to a lad from Ireland called Serge Chibana. I gave them to him. Um, and but I, I never got a chance to run in them. That's a shame. Yeah, but having said that, obviously there's a lot of noise about it. And I mm. think it's quite an interesting debate because um, there's no way you can compare the times of today to like five, six years ago. So somebody who's running 210 six years ago is a completely, is a much better runner than the person who's running 210 now in the cheetah shoes. Yeah. So what I would say if people disagree with that and say, we'll go and do the marathon in an old, you know, in the old shoes and we'll see. Having said that, I've got no problem at all with them. I think it's great that the sport's moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, it, and that's good. The times are coming down. It, 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 but obviously, there's the other factor about the doping as well as at yeah. the elite end. But, I, I, yeah, I've got no problem with the, the cheat issues, as, as people call them. Yeah. And I guess the other thing that's really interesting and probably just worth saying a little bit about that I've learned a lot over the last, the last 10 days of doing the course is I kind of knew some of the sessions and some of the approach that because I, obviously you'd coach me, um, but then there's a lot more to it than that. So a much wider variety of sessions, how you work with track athletes, elite athletes, both track and road. But but, but all of that, I kind of think the thing that has resonated most with me is actually about listening to your athlete, talking to your athlete, and understanding kind of you might have a template of all the sessions that you think that will help them with whatever their target is, but actually it's really about, well, how are they responding? What else is going on in their life? How are they kind of reacting uh, after the workouts in particular and recovering? When is it a time to step back? When is it a time to ramp it up? And I guess you, your your approach is very much about like, and you call it the art of coaching. So the science is the, almost the easy bit you can learn as in from the textbooks and these are all the sessions, but the application of those is kind of learning through, I guess, communicating with your uh, your athletes yeah i mean i think we were talking about this today the science stuff um and it's interesting because the science is always changing and it's so far behind the art of coaching um like people no, nobody really in the uk or the states or ireland really have caught caught, caught on to the idea of re fatigue resistance and how to implement it and then that's where we designed the, the idea of temporal flow training which is probably for another day to explain but i think Generally, it's you know as I said in, on the course, the bit that everybody wants to learn is oh what's lactate thresholds, what's VO two max, how do I design the training programs, how do I get somebody to run a sub three marathon? Yeah, that's twenty percent of what you're going to be doing as a coach. I mean, the eighty percent is going to be like you said there, listening to the feedback from the athlete, being in communication with them, understanding their lives, helping them. And the strap on my website it says it's not just coaching; it's life changing. So and and that's true you know i mean I, we've witnessed it here yeah we, people have been sharing their kind of stories yeah. not you know and why they run but also why you know yeah. the challenges they have in the personal life and 
and that human side of it's been really important to get to know people and then I guess you can understand them more and help them more I guess yeah and in fairness as well when I first started coaching online in 2017 um, that was a bit that caught me out a bit because I was used to going down to the track and shouting out splits and saying yeah next week we're gonna do this next week we'll do that and then all of a sudden I have I'm speaking to people uh, about their lives and all sorts of things you know so mental health issues marriages breaking up problems with the kids financial stuff everything the whole shebang and as a, all right, I quickly began to realize as a coach you're more like a therapist than anything else yeah but again the type of person that's drawn to coaching is like a therapist because they want to help people anyway and that's what I said you know the people when the people apply to come and do this course I look at the person see what's their background say you know, like you've worked as a mentor in the NHS yeah, and, yeah. and then we've had, um, you know, teacher and then somebody who's been a football, football manager. Coach, yeah. yeah, so I knew that you all had the right sort of sensibilities to become a good running coach. But there were other people, I thought to myself, you know, I didn't want them to come on the course and then go back and then not be successful. Because it's one thing knowing the stuff and a different thing implementing it. And to be a coach, you've got to be really vested, invested in the people that you're coaching and, and generally care about them. Yeah. And that, to me, that's the most important part of it. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Thanks, John. And then just a couple of final things, I think. So we're in we're in Eten in Kenya. So for people who don't know, it's kind of a, it's called the home of champions. So it's this kind of center of Kenyan running. Lots of elite athletes uh, train here, live here, both Kenyans, but other athletes from around the world. Uh, and we've been here and obviously I've been, uh, three of us have been doing the coaching course and then about another 12 people who've been for the run camp and there's been some overlaps between the two and it's, it's brilliant because you get to kind of experience some of the, the lifestyle in Kenya which is is really mixed, isn't it, in terms of, of mm -hmm. poverty um, and see some of that um, which is quite an eye-opener and a bit of a shock, shock to the system when you first arrive. And, but also then you do get to see some how Kenyans train, some of the kind of elite athletes on the road, which is nice. And see, how long have you been coming to Kenya and kind of what's your reflections and your experiences here? Yeah, the, the first time I came to Kenya was probably about 35 years ago. I came with a girlfriend, but I didn't come to attend. I went to a place called Melindi on the coast. And I kind of fell in love with the place and I've been coming back ever since. And gradually I got drawn to attend. I think, how long have I been coming to attend now? Um, I think... 15 years something okay. like that roughly about yeah I've, I, I come every year sometimes for six months sometimes for three sometimes for one this time it's only a short visit because I'm living in Mauritius at the moment and after this course when we finish sort of like on Friday or so then I'm going to be zipping back home to Ireland yeah and you and so we we it's good for us we won't necessarily experience a lot of the benefits of high altitude I think we've learned about that today that so the altitude is 7,800 feet I think like you were saying John some of it, it probably takes you a week to 10 days for the adaptations in your body to start having a beneficial effect in terms of running so probably have a little bit of benefit but I guess when you've been and you've been training with elite athletes they come in for months at a time so that it really benefits their training yeah, I mean, like you guys on the course and the guys who come to do the running with the Kenyans thing, um, if, I think it's 12 nights in all. So that's just at that stage, really, when the adaptations are just, everything's starting to settle down. I suppose 80% of the, the physiological things have happened then. And it really, the kick-on is a bit after that, the next 20%. So a lot of the elites that come here will come for three weeks plus. For me, I don't think it's a good place to come and train for a marathon. I think it's good for pre-marathon training. So, you know, get, get your aerobic fitness up so that as you, and train for half marathon and then do your half marathon 12 weeks out. So that's how I would do it if I would, you know, that's what I try to yeah. advise people to do as well. Because when you come to, up to altitude, you have to step back with your training. You know, you have to drop back by about 20% intensity and volume and then start building from there. Because if you don't do that, 
you're going to end up burnt out because there's so many things that are going on at altitude. Um, you know, we were talking about this today, you know, about increasing your fats, increasing your iron intake, getting more sleep because it's hard to sleep at altitude as well. And because of the, um, again, the recovery process is harder as well because the, 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 the oxygen is not quite so, so dense. And again, that affects sleeping as well. So, but I think you, when you, what will happen when you go home is, is, is long, as long as you're not too jet lagged and they're too tired or hungover, that, or, hungover. Uh, <laughs> or, or too tired on that long bus journey you've got yeah, as well. yeah, but yeah. you'll find for about two or three days that you're invincible and then yeah. all of a sudden it'll go away but oh, wow. if you if you're here for sort of like three weeks plus uh, you, you definitely get a, 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 a quite a, a, a good boost in the training benefit and yeah. I would say you know the ideal time for me I think is about six weeks I think that's a, a, a good time because again you want to get get back into a little bit of comfort and make sure you stay on top of your nutrition because it's quite tough living up here as well for a long time you know with the because the foods are different as well and you know the, and getting good quality protein is difficult too so there's a few yeah. other, there are a few challenges but again i suppose that's what makes it interesting and exciting yeah fantastic so just before we finish up john just a couple of other things um so for me my so i've talked to you about this my half marathon's 122 um, but I've got a marathon in at the end of April at Boston in Lincolnshire. So I we talked about it. I think a target around two fifty five, two fifty four, two fifty five. But I guess based on the ten months, and if I I should either be looking either maybe next spring if don't want to do too many marathons in a year, or could I do another one in autumn? <laughs> maybe we'll talk about that. Yeah. But so if I, let's say that from a year from now, so let's say I try uh, go for the sub three this spring. And I think, well, right, I'll do another one next spring, same, you know, somewhere. You think I should then be going for the, what would be something like sub 250 or something? Would that be realistic? Yeah, I think this time you've got to be looking at 254, 255, because you, if, you, if you've got a 122, something there. And then after that, then that 122 should be, you're, you're going to get quicker off the back of that as well. So if you've got 10 minutes, if you were to do, were to race, I don't know, maybe in June, another half, you'd probably take another minute off that, so you'd be down at 121. So you've got to be looking at going sub 245 in the springtime uh, next year. That's what well, I would say. I'll go for it. And and then when are you going to do a marathon? <laughs> I, I've never I've never done a marathon. I don't run anymore. Uh, half marathon, I think, is the longest distance I've raced. So, All right, uh, well, well, we'll let you off that. So I just want to say, like, a huge thanks. I know you've just, it's been a busy week for you you've been trying to organize the people in the run camp you've been teaching us three on the course and i appreciate it's come to an end and instead of like releasing you i've captured you for another half an hour but i really appreciate it really appreciate it and i know the listeners will and people can find your website stazzersstable.com dot com um, and your contact details are on, on and everything and, and as you say you've got a book coming out and then I'll talk, obviously we'll keep connected anyway as, as you as my coach and now mentor as I get try and get into coaching athletes and I, I hopefully maybe we can arrange a few more um, interviews over the next year or so on the podcast, talk about some specific elements of training if you'd be, if you'd be up for that, if we can make it work. Yeah, 100% and thanks for having us on the podcast. So yeah. I mean, it's great that you, you've got this up and running as well because it's good because your journey as a coach as well, you know, when you explain to your listeners about that it'll be interesting you know for them to listen to the podcast as things yeah. develop and then about your own athletes that you're coaching as well so yeah i'll be absolutely there's so many things to talk about yeah and it's, i suppose that was a bit of an overview but we you know we can go into the super base we can go yeah. into temporal flow training marathon bridge training there's all sorts of things to talk about there but no thanks for having me on yeah it's been, it's we'll pleasure. definitely do that so um yeah thanks again and uh, yeah we'll do some more interviews in the future
Okay, so I'm here with Raph along with uh, Ashling and I. Uh, Raph's been on the course for the last sort of 10, 11 days. Um, so how have you found the course, Raph? Yeah, really good, really informative. Thought I knew a fair bit about running before we came. And yeah, that sort of turned upside down. Learned plenty, shocked by a few things. Um, but yeah, yeah, all good. And what do you, are you, what are you thinking, you know, you're excited to get going and your kind of coaching journey, I know you've already starting to help someone and you've got, you've got some thoughts in mind, what, what next for you? Yeah, I think, yeah, I've got a couple of guys to go back to and I said that I would trial with and yeah, looking forward to that. One we've already started, who's running Brighton Marathon, uh, April 7th, so she's up and running and that's going well uh, as it stands. And then, yeah, just look to to sort everything out, get everything sorted, up and running, lots to do. Um, but yeah, looking forward to that, and hopefully by the summer we can be set up and and ready to go. And you're and you're experienced in coaching anyway, because you've been you know football coach for many years. Obviously now you've learnt this sort of as I have the the a lot more about the kind of science and the the running aspects and the the different training plans the different sessions but i guess you then it's about how do you apply those with people isn't it in yeah. terms of on that yeah, one-to-one yeah, yeah. One basis yeah absolutely so yeah with the coaching side of it from the football i mean don't get me wrong it's not a uh, professional level but and then i went from juniors all the way up to um semi-pro always been good with people and yeah sort of enjoy the one-to-one side of things so really looking forward to that um yeah. and fingers crossed yeah it takes off yeah, I know you'll be a brilliant coach. And then more generally, have you found your time in, in Kenya? You know, at, like we've talked about, it's not e- one easy coming here. I felt no. like worried and, you know, have you found it? We're getting towards the end of it, just one day left. Yeah, strange because now the one day's left. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. But first few days, I, I'm, you know, I'm a soft bloke anyway, but I was, I was quite emotional like first few days. And I, I felt I'd, I was really, really missing home, which the coach here has told me that it might not, not have been that. It might have been the altitude. Um, but I think it's a bit of both, to be honest with you. I think the altitude is not to be taken lightly. I think it does, you know, it can mess with you a little bit, yeah. you know, in terms of sleep and, and, and the way your appetite is and stuff. But I think we're settling down now. And I think we did. I think both of us settled better yeah. the second week the first week was quite tough yeah i mean we chucked ourselves into everything but the second week's been 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 good yeah looking forward to going home and putting everything into practice perfect and final question as uh, in terms of your running as your experience both on the course and just in kenya in general has it made you is there a lesson or made you think differently about anything that you'll try and apply when you go home to, uh, to my personal running yeah yeah i think a lot of us are all the same a lot of people do struggle with the easy runs i I've never been one to struggle with easy runs, to be honest with you, running them too fast. I've been quite strict on myself, but I know it's one area that lots and lots of decent runners do. They, they run their easy runs way too quickly. And if you can come out here and run with guys that are running 220 easily, do you know what I mean? And then down into like 210s and they make your easy run, well, they go a lot slower than you do. Then yeah. to me, if they can do it, then we are definitely going to be able to do it. So yeah, so for me, it's what, me not so personally but again trying to get that across that the easy runs do have to be easy they're there for a reason perfect thanks that's great Raph thanks for your time no worries thank you okay so I'm just here with Ashling, and we've been doing the course together that we've just finished so Ashling, how have you found it hey Paul thanks for asking me to talk to you today I found the course really inspiring and I was a bit worried about it because I suppose at 41 years of age and I'm a teacher and my background is a teacher and I suppose 
um, it's hard to go back into the role of a learner. But you know what? Uh, I think the three of us together really learned so much this week. Yeah, so what's really interesting is it's it's you're trying to figure out how you, how you can actually get such knowledge in a two in a two week course. But in actual fact, we really got through the knowledge that's going to help us so much so quickly. But what I really took from it is that 80 percent of it is actually personal and just really encouraging whoever you're working with to do well. And 20 percent of it is ends up being the actual coaching. But I think the group we were in, say myself, you and Raf, I think we really benefited from studying together. We all helped each other so much. Yeah. And anything that we weren't understanding, we were all so supportive of each other. And it was it was really cool for me because I suppose I can relate to you, you three boys, I three boys. And yeah. it was so nice getting to know you as a person. It was so nice getting to know Raf. I mean, it was we were chatting like Staza, uh, John did the course, Super Staza doing the course with us and the banter and everything and everything has come together for us. And I think what's the beauty of it is that we've made kind of lifelong friends that we can know that we'll really support each other if we need it. And for me, the nicest thing about this course is that I'm with people who I know the reason we're doing this and the reason we left our families and we both found it very, very difficult yeah. to leave our children and our better halves the reason i think it'll work so much for us is that we really want to help people yeah. and we really want to support them because we know how much running has changed our own lives and what it has done for us so i think we we really want to share that with others awesome thank you okay. and so you're excited to go and start your own journey as a coach then yeah i'm really excited about it and it can be a bit daunting, I suppose, in Ireland. We were laughing about this during the week. It's, you know, putting yourself out there as an Irish person is never easy, you know, because we get, we call it slag, we get slagged or who do you, who do you think you are doing this sort of thing? But you know what? At the end of the day and at our age, like we're in our four, <laughs> we are in our 40s, aren't yeah, we? Uh, all? Yeah, 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 yeah. All three <laughs> at of this us, stage, yeah. At this stage of our lives, it's like, look, we actually just really want to do something. So if it's a case of talking into a camera on Instagram or putting ourselves out there, I'm ready to do it and I'm really excited to do it. We only have one life. We, we actually have two lives. One when we realize we only have one. We have to go, for, we have to take all the chances, take everything, take all the experiences. And this, this, week, this two weeks, I think, it's hard to put into words how yeah. how what this week what this um what this time was like. I mean, it's yeah. so incredible in so many different ways, isn't it? It is, yeah. and I know you'll be a, you'll be a brilliant coach. Thank and I guess all. then more generally, um, mm -hmm. have you find your time in Kenya uh, and also kind of has it made you think differently about your running at all? Yeah, so for me, I run a lot on my own at home. So yeah. the experience of running in a group, I just thought was a really beautiful thing. And we were all like, it was, it was just it, the, the group meant the group capacity was just, it was really inspiring. And we all just bounced off each other. And then today in the Fartlek session, I was like, I nudged you and I was like, come on, will we join in with them? Yeah. So joining in with them, wasn't that so cool? Yeah, like, it was brilliant. It wasn't, yeah. it was yeah. amazing. The, the experience here, I mean, you know, I suppose in Ireland and, probably the UK as well we're we sometimes I feel like I live in a tumble dryer because there's so much going on all the time and any of the Kenyans I've met here in, in the hotel I'm here they're all smiling and they're all they're a very spiritual type of people and they take the best out of life um like when I was actually doing the um when we were doing the drills down the road with a couple of the Kenyan runners earlier um Sam the, the guy that runs the hotel here brought me on his bike and while we were doing the the drills 
um, this guy just drove out and just hit the back of his bike. And I felt so bad because Sam was bringing me to get yeah. the videos um, for um, the drills. He said, we're in Kenya. It's good. And I said, is, will the police come? Or? He said, no, this is Kenya. This is Kenya. It's just the vibe here is so cool. It's so chilled. I really feel I've stepped back outside of myself because it's so full on at home that I've stepped back, relaxed, taken, you know, been more present, taken the good out of every situation, got to know you so well, got to know everyone here. And it's pretty special, isn't it, Paul? Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And then final question. What's the kind of. What would you what would you say to someone who was thinking about doing something like this? Oh, I would just say go for it. And if you're feeling bad, I suppose about if you have a family or anything back home, if there is a way to bring them, great. But I think if if you want to do something for yourself or like it's an incredible experience, it's such an eye opener. And you know we all travelled when we were young, but it was totally in a different way. You know you're just you're kind of mad for parties and what you know all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But here it's different. Everyone is just really learning so much from each other and like the, and the beauty of that is it's, it's we're such a close-knit group and i believe we'll be in touch for maybe yeah. for you know it's, it's so cool isn't it it is yeah. perfect thank you for your time Ashley. no it's thank you so much pleasure for, to yeah, it's to know pleasure you. yeah pleasure as well paul oh great stuff that was all really interesting and sound like really uh, good people to be around so um if uh, if you've got any questions or anything about anything that, that um has been said then do let us know or any comments or anything um you can get in touch running partners at outlook.com or if you're interested in the running coaching that i'm now offering also get in touch via email or my website paul griffiths running coaching.com um and then final thing i wanted to mention before we go is uh, two athletes who i've been coaching rachel and jane are both doing the dewsbury 10k on Sunday so good luck to both Rachel and Jane um, go for it and we'll be back to report your results next week yeah brilliant all right good luck Rachel and Jane okay yeah is that it for today yeah, I think so all right and we'll see you next week bye for now bye thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed the show if you did please leave us a rating or review and share the podcast to friends and family to help us build the running partners community you can email us at runningpartners@outlook.com with any questions, feedback, race results, topic suggestions or anything else. Also email us if you would like to find out more about the running coaching that I offer. Simply put coaching query in the email subject and I'll get right back to you. And check out my website paulgriffithsrunningcoach.com for more info. You can find us both on Instagram at 26.2 and Griff's Running, as well as on Strava and Facebook, and all the links are in the show notes. We will be back every Monday with a new episode, so see you then.